Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the BT Focus podcast. I'm Brian Kaminsky and I'm pretty excited to be with y'all today. Uh, another exciting milestone to share for the podcast. Today you're joining us on our 50th episode, which is pretty remarkable to think about um, where this podcast started and all of the amazing stories and perspectives and topics we've been able to cover in these first 50 episodes you know, some of my favorite are always our day in the life stories to hear from all of you, our behavior technicians out in the field and hearing your incredible stories and uh, lessons learned along the way, um, but also just continue to grow together. Everything from our RBT mini series to our ethics series to all of our clinical topic discussions to our listener mailbags. Um, I think each of them just highlights all of the things that I love most about our field and most about our team members. And um, I can't wait to see what the next 50 episodes have in store. So today we're going to be starting a new installment on the podcast known as ABA FAQs, frequently asked questions of either common topics or common discussion points or common areas of confusion that we often will hear. Um, as clinicians or as behavior technicians or people who are just new to ABA in general. So um, today we're going to be talking about two very classic concepts in ABA, which is the topics of positive and negative reinforcement. You know, I wanted to start here because it is such a foundational behavioral principle, but I've found working with brand new staff, it is often one of our most confused topics as you enter into the field. And so I want to start off with common misconceptions about positive and negative reinforcement. Uh, the first would just be the actual terms themselves. For some, if you look at these words just from our common everyday language, it might sound a bit like an oxymoron, like negative reinforcement. Like, how is that possible? I thought reinforcement was a good thing. How can it be negative? Um, and I think that's a great place to start to really get into the technical definitions of, of each. So, so positive and negative reinforcement. Let's break that down into the different components of that. And let's start with what reinforcement means in general. So let's start off with a definition. I'm going to take this from my old grad school textbook, Principles of Behavior. Spend a lot of late nights with this book. And the definition is uh, reinforcer, a stimulus that increases the frequency of a response it follows. And so you next might be asking, well, what is a stimulus? Well, a stimulus, we're just referring to any physical change in the environment, whether that be an event, an activity, a condition, um, something that we take in from the senses. And we can say that it's a reinforcer if following the presentation or the removal of that stimulus, we see that rate of behavior increase in the future. And that's a really key point with reinforcement. It's a functional definition, meaning we can only call something a reinforcer or we can call something reinforcement if it increases the future frequency of that behavior. So let's take this point a little further. So here's another common area of misunderstanding. If I were to ask you the question, 
is providing somebody a compliment reinforcement a lot of people would just be quick to say oh yeah no definitely yeah who who wouldn't want to be paid a compliment yeah that's definitely reinforcing well the answer is it depends i don't know did it increase the future frequency of whatever that behavior was so for example if you were a basketball coach and you're talking to one of your players and you said man i love how you're aggressive you were on that play and you know what when you get a post up on that right corner man you are unstoppable great work was that reinforcement i don't know well let's see what what happens in the future when that player is down in the low post on the right corner are they shooting it more so that's a really important piece when it comes to reinforcement we say it's function over form meaning uh, it's not so much what that stimulus looks like per se it's what is the effect it has on the environment noting that reinforcement and what is reinforcing for one person to the next is going to be different right so so that's a very important distinction you can only say something is a reinforcer if it increases the future frequency of that target behavior all right so now let's uh, take this a step further so what's the difference between positive and negative reinforcement is one really good and one really bad no so here's my next tip you, you have to take that sort of qualitative or even like emotional language out of it. We're not making any sort of characterization of something as good or bad. In this instance, positive is simply referring to adding something to the environment, and negative is just referring to the removal of some sort of stimulus from the environment, right? And so let me provide you with an example. Um, if I was looking at an example of positive reinforcement, let's say, for example, if I'm working on potty training with my two-and-a-half-year-old, and every time my little guy goes on the potty, he gets a high-five, an M&M, and just a, a dance party. We're just we're having, a, having a ball, you know, going on the potty. If those stimuli increase the future frequency of him sitting on the potty and make an attempt, we can say that's positive reinforcement. So now let's finally tackle negative reinforcement. I think one of the most misunderstood principles of behavior. So for me, the aha moment with negative reinforcement is learning to substitute the word escape or avoidance for negative reinforcement. Um, and it makes the definition fit. Okay, so let's go with the definition. Negative reinforcement is referring to the removal of some stimuli from the environment which increases the future frequency of that target behavior. Um, my favorite example of negative reinforcement is I want you to think about the moment you woke up this morning and the alarm clock that's going off. Now, I always joke like, if you are like me, you probably weren't jumping out of bed first thing without a moment's hesitation ready to seize the day. Um, I got three young kids, and I was up way too late last night. And so if you're anything like me, probably the first thing you're doing when that alarm clock goes off is you're hitting snooze, right? So what you're doing there is an example of negative reinforcement. You are removing a stimulus from the environment i.e. that really annoying, <laughs> uh, just gut-wrenching sound of that alarm going off. But if the result of that increases the future frequency of that behavior, i.e. hitting that snooze button more, that is a perfect example of negative reinforcement. So 
we can say that that is like an escape contingency, meaning like I am turning off or I am stopping some stimulus. So a, a variation of this negative reinforcement is what we call an avoidant uh, behavior, an avoidant contingency, which is uh, the response contingent prevention of some sort of unpleasant or aversive condition, which increases the frequency of that behavior. So um, an escape, we've already come in contact with something that's unpleasant that we are trying to stop. So, you know, for the the alarm clock analogy, that alarm clock is already going off. So I'm, I'm turning it off and that's escape behavior. Avoidant behavior would be um, turning off the alarm clock before the alarm sound goes off. So if I see that I've got a minute left, I might just unplug that alarm clock before it even goes off. Um, so escape and avoidance, use those words um, as a way to um, look at negative reinforcement. So I'll use one more example to kind of drive home the point of negative reinforcement here and the difference between escape and avoidance. Um, Growing up, I was a really ticklish kid. Um, I actually got a pretty mean-looking scar over my right eye. Um, not from, like, you know, on the gridiron playing football or on the basketball court. Um, no. <laughs> I got I got tickled when I was in grade school, and I hit my, hit my head in a bookcase and got a, a couple of nice stitches there. So example of escape behavior is somebody is, is tickling you, right? And you're, you're elbowing, you're, you're, you're kind of getting away. Avoidance, on the other hand, would be um, moving away before somebody has the opportunity to tickle you, right? So both examples of negative reinforcement, just remember the words escape and avoidance, and I think that'll really help when trying to determine those scenarios. Um, want to end with one final piece to, to really kind of wrap this topic up, and I want to talk about what we could call interlocking contingencies or the the relationship between positive and negative reinforcement especially when you see this often in social situations and so what i mean by that is in a given scenario there can be contexts which are positive reinforcement for some parties and negative reinforcement for another party let me provide you with an example so let's say we got little Johnny here, right? And little Johnny is not experiencing any attention from mom. And so little Johnny starts to cry. After that crying, Johnny is comforted by mom, all right? So for Johnny, that stimulus of crying is going to be followed by something added to his environment, which is the attention of mom. And so we're going to likely see an increased frequency of that crying behavior for Johnny. So that's an example of positive reinforcement for Johnny. Well, let's look at it on the other hand for mom. So what happens before? So if we, before mom had peace and quiet, right? And all of a sudden she hears Johnny crying. And so to stop that unpleasant sound, what does mom do? She provides attention. And so she's just removed something unpleasant from the environment, which is crying. But by doing so... It may have strengthened the future frequency of that crying behavior, so we could say that's negative reinforcement. So for Johnny, that behavior is an example of positive reinforcement, and for mom, her behavior an example of negative reinforcement. And so that's a really important thing to, to keep in mind, especially for future RBT test takers. A really common way that 
the exam might try to throw you off as they'll ask you a question and say, is this an example of positive or negative reinforcement? And you got to ask the follow-up question, well, well, who are we referring to? If we're talking about mom, it's negative reinforcement. We are removing some sort of unpleasant stimulus, that crying, it's increased the feature frequency of the behavior. But if it was Johnny, it's positive reinforcement. He's just had something added to the environment. He says has mom's attention now. And that might strengthen the future frequency of behavior. So always keep in mind, ask yourself the question, whose behavior are we referring to? And then draw from the, the concepts that we've explored thus far to say, well, was something added or taken away? Did that behavior increase in the future? And that will lead to your conclusion. So this will conclude our first edition of our ABA FAQs. If you have maybe one of your own FAQs, send us a message at btfocus at centriahealthcare.com. We'd love to explore it together. And thank you once more for an incredible first 50 episodes. Uh, you all are my positive reinforcer. Your, uh, your feedback, your comments, all of those things are incredibly reinforcing for me and for our team um, that work to put this content out there for all of you. And can't wait to see what the next 50 episodes have in store. Until next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the BT Focus podcast. As we learn more about the stories and the science behind applied behavior analysis, 